Welcome to Thrivers, nonprofit leadership for the next normal. I am your host, Tucker Wanamaker, the CEO of Thrive Impact, and our mission is to solve nonprofit leader burnout. Burnout is the enemy of creating positive change, and we want to connect you with impactful, mission-driven leaders and ideas so that you can learn to thrive in today's nonprofit landscape. And I'm so excited to have uh, some guests here with me today um, on, a, on a particularly important topic that uh, as we were doing a little bit of the prep work ahead of time uh, and thinking through what is this, what is the topic? Because it was starting out around revenue, but then I was realizing, well, revenue obviously, as you all know, is a, is a massive topic, um, but what are we really getting into here? And I realized uh, that a lot of what uh, our guests here today are such experts in are uh, around a lot of the the financing and the forecasting and the budgeting side of revenue and how that actually can help support you as a nonprofit leader in actually gaining more revenue as well. And so uh, anyway, that being said, I want to introduce our guests today. Uh, I am here with Stephanie Skrizowski. Did I get it? Did I get it, Stephanie? Skrizowski. <laughs> you got it. Yes, Skrizowski. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Stephanie um, is a visionary chief financial officer that helps purpose-driven leaders uh, better understand and use their numbers to make smart decisions. How awesome is that? <laughs> How do we use our numbers to make smart decisions? Uh, in order for us to grow our bottom line as nonprofit leaders. Um, she's the founder and the CEO of 100 Degrees Consulting, which provides financial strategy and bookkeeping services to nonprofits around the globe. Uh, Stephanie, uh, we've actually worked with you as well uh, with our organization. And uh, Stephanie, I just have loved your wisdom and your passion. Uh, and I know that you've even made a, a, a recent pivot to just double down on the nonprofit world, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yeah. so excited to be able to be in, in this with you as well. Uh, and then also joined by Skylar Badenoch. Did I get that right, Skylar? Nailed I it. That? I know Nailed you it. all are challenging my uh, ability to get the last names, but Skylar Badnock, he is the chief executive officer of Hope for Haiti, which is an organization that works to improve the quality of life for the Haitian people and particularly the children. Uh, they're about uh, just under $5 million in cash revenue on an annual basis. And uh, uh, Skylar, you've been you've been in the trenches uh, in a variety of different ways. I noticed in your bio too that you've uh, worked on with Build On, you've worked... Um, as a Peace Corps volunteer, you've kind of seen a lot of different angles as a nonprofit leader uh, in this space. And so I'm, I'm really excited for you to be able to be on and share some of your uh, lived experience uh, that, and, and some of your wisdom through that uh, around some of what we're going to be talking about today. So Stephanie and Skylar, hey, thanks for being with me here today. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you, Tucker. Glad thanks, to be Tucker. here. So, you know, what we were talking about ahead of time Stephanie and Skylar was, um, we were, we were, again, as, as I was sharing earlier, we're getting down into the nitty gritties of like revenue is a very important topic for nonprofits. Um, but as I was looking at what is this next normal topic of this, uh, it really started getting into things like forecasting, budgeting, um, and even really looking at how this helps to translate both in your own your ability to understand your numbers in a more clear way and not just now, but on the ongoing basis and planning out, uh, but how that's actually really generated and translated for Skylar, especially for you uh, mm -hmm. in uh, generating revenue as well. Um, but before we get into some of your wisdom um, and from both of you and either one of you can start, I don't really care, whoever would like to go, but curious, what are some of the pains that nonprofit leaders that you're seeing uh, are experiencing regarding things like just 
plain old budgeting and forecasting. What are some of the pains that and the issues that nonprofit leaders are facing that you're noticing in your space? I can start. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So, so what I'm seeing, um, is that a lot of times we, we all have to create a budget, right? Like that's just like one of the boxes that we have to check as a nonprofit organization, we create a budget for the year, our board approves it. Sometimes we put it into the accounting software, we run a budget versus actual, and that's kind of it for the year, um, is what I see happening a lot with organizations. And one of the challenges is that things are changing all the time mm. and they're changing faster than ever. Um, and so that budget that we created and got approved by the board in December to kick off on January 1st is no longer relevant in April. And then that is no longer relevant in June and in September. And so, um, we don't want to change the budget throughout the year. That's very messy and time consuming, but that's where forecasting comes in. And that's what I'm seeing like not a lot of organizations doing is utilizing a forecast. And it's basically just um, taking that budget putting it like in a different spreadsheet or, or um, like next to the original budget and then updating those numbers every month. So you have this like crystal clear picture of what the rest of the year is going to look like based on today's information, not like December's information mm. when you originally created the budget. So that's something I'm seeing right now, like not happening enough is having this forecast and this like really clear visibility into the rest of the year. So instead of being proactive in avoiding what could potentially be a cash crunch in November, um, we're being more reactive. We're looking at last month's financial statements. We're looking at last month's budget versus actual. That's not really, that's like ancient history at this point. Mm. And we're not really looking into the future as, as often as we should be. Mm. Stephanie, I, I'm, I'm hearing like a, a difference between budgeting and forecasting, first of all. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, and then Skylar would love to hear your voice on this too, especially as a nonprofit leader of what is some of the psychology underneath that you're noticing are some of the pains that nonprofit leaders, like why is it that nonprofit leaders aren't taking some of those proactive steps? Like, uh, you know, whether it's that maybe I think it's going to be irrelevant in three months anyway, and I'm just kind of throw my hands up and well, screw it. I don't care. Or what is, what is, what's underneath that, um, that proactive versus reactive, like what's really happening on the reactive side, just from your perspective. I think one of the things is Tucker, that, that many of us in the nonprofit space who are implementing, you know, programs is that we're so in the day to day and we're living and working in the now. And it's difficult sometimes because when you're living, there's, there's a lot to do in the day and there's a lot to do in the now. And it's sometimes difficult to stop and say, mm -hmm. I'm going to take some time away from being in the now to live in the future and mm -hmm. yeah, and, and, and step above the, the, the right now. And um, I know that tr true because I <laughs> it and a lot of other people face it because there's an immediacy, there's an immediacy of the work. And so just being intentional about taking that step back and, um, and forecasting, planning, and budgeting is so important. And I think one of the things that I've learned over the years, and I've learned this from Stephanie too, is that it's it, it doesn't it, it's important to have a system and a cadence in place, and that that helps 
So we know that we're going to, you know, there's going to be a time where we're just, we're, our heads are down and we're implementing, but we're going to know that there's going to be periods of time, whether it's during the week or the month or the year, the quarter that we're going to have to take a step back and look Mm -hmm. and plan. And I think carving out that time is just, is, is important. It's easier said than done, but it's, it proves invaluable when, um, when you're able to, um, look at things from a different perspective uh, Mm. than the now and the immediate, you know, the immediate, um, you know, programs or the immediate situation that you're trying to to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Skylar. Stephanie, curious your thoughts too on that uh, around the, what, you know, what's the psychology, if you will, under what's, what's going on underneath that, that surface that are, you know, I love how Skylar hit the, the immediacy is, a pain. Mm-hmm. It's like now I need to step away from the now in order to look into the future. What are what else are you saying, Stephanie? Too. Well, I think there's a little bit of fear, um, a little bit of maybe some shame, and mm. this, um, you know, when we're talking about money, like think about your personal finances. Maybe not your personal finances, but personal finances in general. Sure. There's often a lot of shame when it comes to money. If you know, you're not where you should be, if you have credit card debt, if whatever. And I think that carries over a lot. If you're the executive director, if you're the the CEO that the one that's responsible for the money and things aren't tracking the way that you want them to, um, a lot of times it's a lot easier to like avoid looking at our numbers than it is to like face the cold hard facts. And it's it's true. And so I think that there's I mean, I've had literally had leaders tell me that, like, I just like, I would rather just not look at it and just make decisions based on how much money is in the bank today and like hope for the best, then like have to dig into it. So I think it's, you know, Mm. potentially a little bit of fear, a little bit of shame, also um, shame around like that, that like, I'm not a numbers person. Like this really confuses me. This really overwhelms me. And so when you hear a word like forecasting, if you're not a numbers person, like that's scary. That seems overwhelming. I don't really know what that is. So I'm just like, not going to explore. I'm just not going to do it. Um, So I think that carries through as Mm. well. Cause I talk to a lot of people who are like, I'm not a numbers person. And that is like the mindset that they've sort of drilled into themselves. Um, And so they really believe that, like, I'm not a numbers person. I can't do this. Mm. Um, So I think that plays in as well. Wow. Stephanie, I, uh, I, (laughs) I resonate very much personally with that. And I I know you've gone through some of the stuff with us too. You know, last year we had a massive cash flow issue at the beginning of the year. And it was some of those pieces of like, I'm not necessarily a numbers person per se either. And, and I, and I, I felt that exact shame. Like I was like, I should know this. It was all the, I, sh- I should it all over myself. Right. It's like, I should know this. I, why don't I know this? And then I was like, wait, why am I, why am I beating myself up so much when, when I have people who actually know these things better than like, it's okay that that's not my strength. There are others in which have this strength and that's why we create teams uh, and partners as you know as an example but that shift for even for me and i even teach on this stuff around co-creating your future and we have podcasts about all these kind of things and yet i still felt that shame for a little bit there realizing wait a second uh, why, why don't why don't i know this what's wrong with me and i was like wait i need to reach out i need to connect because this is important so i appreciate you speaking to that stephanie because that's a a felt experience for me personally but i know from many others as well 
Skylar, curious your your reflections. Yeah, on Yeah, I was just laughing because it, it really resonated with me. <laughs> and I remember there was a couple moments where I'm like, oh, we're just, I know, I know where we are financially, but I don't want to look. Um, by the way, the inverse is true. So like, you know, if, if we just get a big grant and our bank accounts full, I, I look at that thing every day. I look at it, it's a good reminder. I'm, I, I'm looking at it every day. It's like my morning ritual. I'm like, I'm gonna look at my look at my bank account right now because I know it's good and it's gonna it's gonna pump me up because it gives me that relief that you know we're in a position of, um, you know we're in a position of financial strength. But it also reminds me that that that's why the planning is so important because now we can you know we can we don't have to we're not in that and not every not, not every nonprofit's in this situation. But you're not in that day to day grind of like mm. I have to get money and payroll and there's nothing else I could do right now besides try to go find funding to get to make payroll and, you know, do the work that I want to do. But when you get past that, then I think it becomes a lot easier to to start yeah. being more proactive in your planning. Mm. Well, so let's let's hop into what is this next normal of leadership around this particular topic look like? And I loved, you know, you both brought up such really important topics around this. One was, you know, Skylar, you hit on uh, you said the systems and the cadence or the rhythms around this, that it's just, it's not a thing that you, uh, that you just do willy nilly every once in a while. It sounds like you have a system and a cadence around looking at it with other people, uh, that it's not just, it doesn't create more isolation for you. You just have a rhythm with your team around it. Cause I, again, that's, that was what, you know, Stephanie, you were sharing the re the resonance I had was I didn't have a good rhythm around it at that point. Um, and, and I, and it, it created more isolation for me, which we know is one of the biggest perpetuates or perpetuators of burnout. Uh, that's a massive issue is isolating myself thinking, why don't I have mm -hmm. it figured out? So curious around, um, you know, what, what kind of, what does the next normal of nonprofit leadership look like? Like Skylar, I'd love for you to unpack a little bit of uh, how you have been able to do this. What, what is your rhythm around this? What does it literally look like? Uh, how often do you meet with Stephanie? Uh, how often do you meet with your team? How do you look at the financials? And how do you deal with uh, some of the shame that you, maybe has arisen in you? And you're like, wait a second. Okay, I don't need to let that be there. I can lean into my team or however you've done it. Just kind of curious your perspective on how you've led in this sort of next normal. Yeah, and I, I, it has evolved um, over the years. I've been the CEO of Hope for Haiti now for six years. And when I first joined the organization, I knew that I needed help. I needed I, I needed help and support. It's actually our fir the first time we started working with 100, Stephanie and 100 Degrees Consulting because I needed help um, coming in as a new leader, uh, working with a team who I was just getting to know. And I, I didn't feel like I was the person, the right person to drive the budget process and the strategic plan right away. I needed somebody to kind of help set up that, that, um, that practice. Mm. And I also wanted to be a collaborator. I wanted to be more collaborative and I wanted to have my own input on what I thought the budget and the strategic plan should be, you know, it should look like. And, and we also had to involve our board, but, um, that process has since changed in, in, um, the next year after we worked with Stephanie, I think we worked with her for the second year, but it, it was more, I was more hands-on, um, mm. members of my team were more hands-on fast forward to today. It's totally different. Our CFO runs the whole budgeting process. I play a really important role. So does our board, but so does our team and the team really collaborates, uh, to the point where I get a, I get a budget that I get to look at and, um, you know, ask questions, dissect, change, modify. 
um, and ultimately uh, put forward to the board, but it comes to me after it's been looked through and, and um, built by our team. And it's, mm. it's a very collaborative process. That wasn't, that wasn't initially how we were doing it, but now we, we, that's, that's how it's worked for us. And so every, um, every February we start the process. We have our, we have our, you know, six months of, of uh, our fiscal year goes from uh, July to June. So we have six months of really yeah. good data that helps us forecast where we think we're going to end up the year and where we think we're going to go into the next fiscal year. Our CFO helps populate all that. And so now I get, I get a really solid uh, budget in place before I have to do really very much of anything. Mm. And then we, then we do this, then we, we, we drive it home collaboratively. Um, we talk about it amongst the, ourselves as a team. Uh, it then goes to the board, but even before it goes to the board, it goes to different board members who are, uh, who are um, strong financially. Um, not every board member is going to be, that's going to be in their wheelhouse. Right. 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 And yeah. so it goes to different board members. They ask questions. They, um, you know, ultimately give it their blessing. It goes to our finance committee. Um, our finance committee asks more questions and then it, um, revenue uh, projections need to be approved by our development committee. And then it goes to the full board for a vote. And typically that's also paired with a strategic plan so that the activities, um, of our strategic plan are, are funded by the budget. Yeah. Hmm. It sounds like you give, um, you give breathing room for co-creation of the process, mm -hmm. co-creation within the process. You said collaborative at least like 10 times, which is awesome. Well, it's that, hugely important. And, that, and that's when you needed and, that space in order for that to really happen. And that's when big, big, like important things come up. Like during one of our sessions, our, just a good example, one of our doctors who was involved in the budget process said, I want $5,000 to do a diabetes walk. And so that was never something we did. And mm. we're like, well, why? And she's like, diabetes is a big problem. And she made a great case for it. So we allocated the resources in the budget um, because our, our head doctor uh, wanted that to be part of something we did. Um, we talked about it amongst ourselves as a team. The board believed that that helped us fulfill our mission and we did it. Um, mm. But that collaboration piece, like now we, we've done it every year for the last four years, never would have happened if we didn't yeah. have collaboration and we didn't have other people feel comfortable to have a voice in the budget process. Yeah. Some people have also said, I want to do this, you know, this thing that's, I'm like that, that's not going to get done in the next five years. So <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but that's the process and some ideas are going to, are going to make it through and some won't, but um, you know, I think that process has worked out well for us Yeah. in that's our great. phase of development as an organization. Mm -hmm. That's great. Stephanie curious from your perspective, what is, what is this next normal of nonprofit leadership look like as, as somebody who works with a lot of nonprofits uh, around, you know, part CFO type of services, bookkeeping services, you know, the things that you do with organizations, what are, what is that next normal of leadership for them and how uh, they can work in a much better, more efficient way? Yeah, I think, I mean, of course, I, I'm always going to emphasize the financials and the importance of having a strong financial foundation. And that includes like your systems, having a really strong bookkeeping system and somebody who knows what they're doing, not just like a volunteer who, you know, has offered to do your books every now and then, like 
a professional handling your numbers and really leaders taking ownership of the financials. Like I feel like with all of the changes across the sector, across funding, um, you know, different funding streams are drying up. Others are popping. Other new ones are popping up. Like we really need to be on top of our numbers. Um, And so that means as the executive director, as a CEO, like it's no longer okay to be like, numbers are not my thing. I have somebody else help me with that. Or my treasurer looks at the numbers Mm. like, no, we need to take ownership and really understand the story that our numbers are telling us. Cause there's a lot of information inside Mm. your income statement that it's not actually that difficult to understand. Like once you, once you really like know the key numbers that you need to be looking at, like that's where you can focus your attention. You don't need to like you know, spend hours pouring over these Excel spreadsheets. But I think like for the next normal, um, you really need to have ownership of those numbers and understand the story that they're telling you so that you can make decisions based on them. um, Because that's what's going to take you through whatever the economy might do, whatever challenges might lie ahead. If you understand your numbers, like you're going to be that much further, further along and more, more confident in your work as well. Yeah. Well, and I can attest to that too, Stephanie. I felt more confident as I've dug in and understood. I just It was just feels like clarity. But, you know, I have a little bit of a devil's advocacy here against the, or against the two of you here, which is, yeah, that's nice and all, but what, maybe I have a little more confidence in, in understanding, but w- will that really make a difference for me? Like, will that really help uh, in terms of anything? Uh, other than I just know, you know, like to me, it's almost like I could imagine a nonprofit leader saying, yeah, I already know it's painful. So why would that even help me? Right. It's just going to make me feel more pain. Right. Or something like that. Like, how is this really going to help if they uh, if nonprofit leaders are able to go into that space, lean in um, into the budgeting and into the forecasting? I, I do want to hit on that topic here in just a minute, by the way, of budgeting versus forecasting and the difference. And but but what does the leaning in do? What's the what's the joy that we can set before them and to go through the pain in order to get there? Um, like, why would this even matter to them in the first place? What does this ultimately do for them and what's made possible if they do this? I mean, I can start on the expense side and maybe Skylar can chime in on the revenue. Um, on the expense side of things, if you're forecasting, you're going to avoid like a cash crunch before it happens. You're going to see this coming three months, six months before it actually happens. So you can take action now to avoid like literally not making payroll. So I worked Mm. with an organization before, and I know this is the case for many organizations where your revenue um, is pretty heavily stacked in Q4, but your expenses are pretty much the same month to month. So you get this huge influx of cash, October, November, December, then you got to make it last like for the next nine months until you hit Q4 again. And I've seen organizations not manage this well because they're not forecasting their expenses. They're looking at how much money they have in the bank today. Things look good. So they're spending money, they're hiring new staff, they're starting new programs. And then by the time we reach September, there's basically no money left. And now Mm. we're like, okay, those October donations, like they gotta start coming in. Um, And so forecasting allows you to like not miss payroll because you weren't really paying attention and, um, you know, you're not going to be scrambling um, and, you know, coasting into Q4 on on fumes because you have that extra visibility. 
Mm. And I feel like that, like that saves you a lot of sleep and a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. I could totally see that. Yeah. It's yeah. I can think of two things just from a revenue forecasting perspective. Like we went through this exercise. It was probably, it was probably back in 2018 at Hope for Haiti. And, um, we, we were forecasting for our revenue and, um, it became pretty clear that we were very reliant on some big foundation donors. And, and that was great because it was sustaining us and driving us. And there were some multi-year gifts there. Um, but we also combined it with a SWOT analysis and it, it was, it became pretty clear that that was a threat because if any of those donors would go away, we needed to, we were, we were going to be in a, in a, in a pinch. Yeah. And so we were intentional about, uh, saying, okay, we want to diversify our revenue and we want to invest in peer-to-peer -peer fundraising opportunities. And we want to invest in, uh, in, in um, increasing our individual donors, um, people. And, mm -hmm. and so we did that and we, we were able to forecast out, recognize that there was, there was a deficiency and then plan and invest in um, helping alleviate that deficiency. Uh, we also, when we were forecasting, this is the second thing, is we realized, like, just like Stephanie said, like, um, October, November, December, great months. And then we had this time, it was like May and June were really low for us. Mm. And when we look back, even historically, they were low. And so our team started asking ourselves, well, what can we do in um, in May and June to at least bump up our revenue. And so one of our colleagues came up with this really fun fundraiser that we've do every year for the last five years now called the hike for Haiti challenge. And it's our peer to peer fundraising opportunity. Wow. And that was one of the things that helped solve that problem that was identified when we were forecasting and we were mm -hmm. that exercise. So we do it every year and we've seen that our May, June revenue numbers are way up compared to where they were four or five years ago. That's great. That's great. Well, and what else is made, you know, I'm thinking about our conversation that we were talking about earlier, which gets into the space of not just budgeting, but forecasting and even over a longer period of time. And I know that that was one of the stories that Stephanie, you and Skylar were both sharing around this sort of like five year forecasting out going far out, um, which, you know, at first blush was like, why would like everything's changing so much again, same idea. Why would I even go even further out? Uh, around this and and why is forecasting not just in the next year but even beyond um what's made possible by doing that because i know skylar that's a thing that you do at your organization uh that you've i know worked with stephanie on as well around really forecasting like there's the budget but then there's the forecast and and really looking at how uh how we think it's going to be it's almost like you're creating a hypothesis but i want to dig into that a little bit even in that longer term perspective like what's made possible and even doing that type of forecasting uh, that you've noticed, and both of yeah, you, yeah, I love that you question. And then, yeah, I'll hit it real quickly because I, I, you have to first embrace reality, and the reality is just like you said, like there is there's a really high percentage chance that that five years is going to look five years from now we're going to look your revenue is going to be totally different than what you had forecasted, and there's going to be surprises and big donors. There might even be setbacks. So put that aside. Um, what we found very useful, and Stephanie helped us create this, this five-year forecast, looking back at all the, uh, the revenue expenses of the past five years, and then looking forward to the, to the five years ahead. 
And one of the things that we are really all about at, at Hope for Haiti is what we do, and that's impact. And so, yeah, we, we're, we're about what we do, and, and that's we help improve the quality of life for people in Haiti through healthcare and education and, and wash and economic opportunity. And so we're, we're also forecasting for impact. And so if I say, look, we want, over the next five years, we want to hit 100, 110, 120,000 patients a year, that has a budget allocation to that. And we need, to, we need to be able to say to our donors, hey, over the next five years, at anywhere between $16 and $20 per patient, we can see 100,000 patients a year. This is what it's going to cost. Mm. What can be transformational about that if you find the right donor and, and the stars align is that you can find multi-year funding to help you fund some of those goals. Maybe it's not going to be all the way out to five years, but, but there are, there are donors out there who love a good two to three year plan. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been fortunate to, we've, we've been able to get some five-year donors who have seen the vision. They said, look, that's, that's great. We want to be part of that. And without going through that exercise, you won't, you won't have it. You won't have the ability to, to, to show what kind of impact you could create with somebody's generosity. And so that is one of the, the biggest reasons why we do this exercise is mm. to talk about what would it cost to create this impact for the next five years. Mm. And well, it's almost and, like yeah. if you're not creating this, a multi-year forecast uh, clarity or understanding or hypothesis, uh, you know, if, if you're not getting multi-year grants, there's, it could be because you're not forecasting, uh, which is not only, not only you're not forecasting your finances, you're not forecasting your impact. Yeah. You're not going into that space that helps tell a compelling story of what what could happen, right? And to your point, like things are always going to change. But if we don't even create the conditions that allow for somebody who maybe wants to give a multi-year grant, whether it's a foundation or a donor, if we don't even create those conditions, then of course we're not going to get any multi-year grants. Um, yeah. And and I love, you know, now we head into our fiscal year. We, we've been successful at that. And we head into our fiscal year and we budget and we're able to say to our board, hey, listen, we got 50% of this, this already locked up in grants or commitments or pledge donations. Um, and that helps us even more when it comes time to forecast, mm. knowing that we got, we got 50% of our annual budget locked up in like yeah. a 90, 95% like probability that it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's very helpful. Oh, that's great. I love how it's tied, you know, again, directly to impact, which is why, if you're a mission-driven nonprofit leader, that's why you're here. You're not here to just do nice things sure. in the world, you know, but you're here to actually create real positive change, which take resources to do. And so I love that your financial forecast is really an impact forecast first. Right? It's like, no, what are, what is possible and what's and what is needed in in the in the communities that we serve and the people that we're working with. Like that's really where it's going, which maybe maybe can help um some nonprofit leaders feel like it's you know, it's not all oh, that revenue stuff. No, it's tied directly to impact and through the impact. Now here are the resources it needs for us to create that impact. So I, I love that your forecasting is like impact forecasting with finances associated with it or the resources needed to get that impact, which is great. Stephanie, any thoughts from you on, on what you've seen around forecasting and the power of it? Yeah, I just think it's like very, it's very visionary. And I love that you're talking about impact forecasting, because I feel like most executive directors, most CEOs have a vision for their organization, mm. 
for where we want to go, for the impact that we want to have. And so just shifting the thinking around like, oh, I have to create this stupid, like detailed five-year <laughs> budget. Like nobody wants to do that, but no, let's just attach numbers to this beautiful vision that you already have. Um, and I think it's like a little bit of a shift in thinking. And along with that, I would say, um, I work with this one organization who every year they, they automatically have a five, like a rolling five-year budget. So every single year they have, you know, they bump out the budget to the next year. And so what this did for them was they had an opportunity to apply for a multi-million dollar multi-year grant. And this organization wanted to see, okay, what's your five-year, what's your five-year budget? What does your five-year plan look like? And like, boom, they had, they had it already because it was something that they already did. And so I think it also helps with like, thinking, thinking bigger, thinking down the road, like having this bigger vision, um, because they're not just focused on like, okay, what's happening this year? How much are we going to spend on office expenses this year? Like they have this five-year vision just Mm. continually going and it's just part of their culture. Um, but what the one thing I will say is if somebody is listening to this and they're like, I can barely get it together for like a one-year budget, let alone five years into the future. It doesn't need to be like line item detail for five years from now. Um, And it doesn't need to be perfect. I think we can go into an activity and exercise like this thinking that like this is going to be wrong. But it is the the a compilation of like the best information that I have today. And it's okay that it's not going to be perfect. Cause I I know a lot of leaders get hung up on like, well, how am I supposed to know how much we're going to raise from individual donors four years from now? Well, you don't. You absolutely do not. Yeah. You're gonna get the number wrong. But like you've got some good information today. Use that to put it together. And it doesn't need to be line item detail. Like I know this organization that I mentioned, they in their um like in their budget line items, they have sort of like bigger, um, bigger categories. And then the detailed line items underneath that, they don't, they don't have a five-year budget for those detailed line items. It's like yeah. the bigger categories. So again, it's a broader vision, but it's it's numbers to paper. And it's okay that it's not perfect because it's not going to be, you are not going to get it right, but you are going to get it right with the information that you have today. So just encouragement uh, for, for those perfectionists out there. (laughs) Uh, I love that. Yeah. Stephanie, thank you for bringing that in. You know, we have a, we have a frame that we've used, which is um, called the skateboard analogy. We actually did a podcast about this because we realized how powerful and important it was for (laughs) nonprofit leaders. Meaning like if you're trying to build the big, beautiful car, like the big budget, as an example, you don't do it by building the car. You actually build a minimum viable transportation vehicle first, like build something that's completely imperfect and then go from there. And I love that you were talking about when you said the rolling five-year budget, it's like this ongoing learning document, right? Uh, We talk about this with strategic planning. Like you're not creating a strategic plan. You're creating a strategic direction that you're learning into, Like that's not like, we're not creating the thing that's now going to sit on the shelf. We're creating something that we're learning into that is by nature needs to not be perfect. Actually, if it is perfect, then it actually is that much more imperfect if you're going for perfect, because there's no way for you to know. Right. Um, so build that. You're probably not thinking big enough. If it's perfect, you're not thinking big enough. (laughs) I love it. So just lean in, don't be perfect, lean in and create what it is that you can create right now based upon what you know. That's such great wisdom. Um, okay. Last question, uh, before we wrap up, I just wanted to get, you know, we talked about, uh, the talk, you know, talking around, uh, impact, uh, 
uh, impact um, forecasting, which ultimately translates into financial forecasting and and not just having perfect. We talked about being collaborative in your budgeting process and giving breathing room for that, which is fantastic because it's really space for co-creation and, and collaboration. Um, we talked about some of the psychological issues, whether it's a lack of rhythms or it's shame and guilt, right? That are fear. I'm like, oh, I don't even want to do it. So with all of this uh, next normal conversation, I'm curious from both of you, what are some uh, real key practical steps, like real nitty gritty uh, that that nonprofit leaders can do to take around forecasting in the way that you're talking about? What are something that they can start to do uh, in as, as nitty gritty as you can get? Uh, uh, the better, right? Like go into QuickBooks and look at this specific report. I don't know what it is, right? I don't want to project anything here, but just curious, what are some real specific things that nonprofit leaders can do to start to make some of these steps uh, around leaning into what you're talking about? Who wants to go first? I think that um, integrating forecasting into your monthly routine um, is a great place to start. And it's very straightforward. It's very simple. Um, Tucker, I'm happy to share like a template with your audience if staring at a blank Excel sheet is terrifying. Um, but yeah, basically really just looking at like laying out your, um, you know, the 12 months of the, of the fiscal year, your budget, and then laying in your forecast next to it, because likely um, what you thought was going to happen in September is probably not the same as what is now going to happen in September. And so just updating that every single month. So you have this picture of the year, I think is a great place to start. It kind of gets you in this rhythm of thinking past like last month's income statement and last month's balance sheet. So I think that's a really um, simple and straightforward way to, to kind of get started in this forecasting rhythm. Stephanie, I feel, I feel like you had two in there. One is make sure you have a monthly rhythm around this in the first place. Um, and then in that monthly rhythm, make sure you have some form of forecasting, which you have a template for. And so we'll, Stephanie, I'll make sure and get that from you. And just for all the listeners, we'll put those in the show notes below uh, on our website that you can grab that link and take a look as well. Does that work, Stephanie, for you? It's great. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Love it. Skylar, what do you think? Yeah. So, you know, when Stephanie was talking, I was thinking about what I was going to say. I was like, oh, well, um, I think there's one thing that I always ask myself when I start to forecast, which is what am I forecasting for? What am I, what, what are we forecasting for? Um, and, and so one of the tools that we've used to a great success in figuring out what we're forecasting for is a SWOT and a stakeholder analysis. And I can give you a quick example of how we used it just recently, but we, we forecast, we did our whole SWOT analysis, again, very collaborative. We had various members of our team. I interviewed board members and, um, and, you know, our team, this is, this is one that came from our team is like, our CRM is outdated and it's just not working for us. And we would like to invest in Salesforce in migrating over to Salesforce as our CRM. And so, um, that was a, that was a weakness that our team identified. And as far as weaknesses go, we had to, we had to associate an action to that. And the action was budget to uh, transition over to Salesforce. Mm. And so that's what we are that's, that helped us answer the question. And there's, we have, when we do our SWAT, we have 20, 20, 20 strengths, 20 weaknesses, 20 opportunities, and 20 threats. 
that's how we did it. And I can share this document we used. It was, we, we've done one every year for the, every, every, we do one every two or three years. Hmm. Um, we don't do them every year, but it helped us figure out what we are, what we wanted to forecast for. And it wasn't just Salesforce. It was programs. We wanted to budget for an opportunity to provide college scholarships to students. And we wanted to move up from 20 to 50 students. And that was an opportunity for us, but we yeah. needed to be able to figure out what are we forecasting for? And it was that, um, you know, it was back in when we first started and when I first started in 2017, it was our, our branding was, was off. Um, it was mm. outdated and, and it didn't capture the essence of what our organization had become, but we needed to forecast for that and to make that transition. And so I think doing that analysis of what you're forecasting for is also really important. Mm, I love that. It's like a, such a reflective question of, you know, why does it even matter in the first place? Like, what do we, <laughs> what do we need to forecast around? And I, you know, Skylar, I noticed throughout this entire podcast, use the word invest a lot. Mm. Uh, and just, just to hear that language even is, you know, I'm assuming even that example that you used earlier, uh, around that, that walk, uh, or, or around peer to peer fundraising, like invest is a longer game perspective right? It's not invest to get necessarily something right away, yep. but it's invest in, in, in building, you know, slow, but sure chunks around things. And so, um, I just appreciate using that word invest, like you're investing in infrastructure. It's not mm -hmm. some overhead issue. It's like, we're no, we're investing in the infrastructure that allows for us to be better as organization or as an organization all across the board. So, well, and I, I want to offer one too. Thank you both for your wisdom. And my only one to offer is is similar to what all of us have actually already shared, which is if you're a nonprofit leader who is uh, scared, who is um, feels that shame, uh, know that you're not alone and lean in, right? Literally get out of it, get out of that isolation that you might be in around that and lean into people like Stephanie, even like Skylar and uh, other nonprofit leaders where you can learn and grow and, and freely say, you know what? I don't know how to do this. And that's okay because you have other gifts that you bring to your to your team, um, but somebody needs to understand some of these pieces. And so, just my my thoughts are just lean in because I I'm hearing that from both of you, Stephanie and Skylar. Of it's okay, lean in, lean into figuring this out, lean into budgeting, and uh, and it'll be that much better for you. Not just in the short term of getting you out of isolation, but in the long game of like actually creating the conditions that allow you to bring in more revenue because you have Stephanie kind of what you're hitting on that vision that's there. So um, anyway, Skylar, Stephanie, thank you so much for thank being you. on the podcast today. It was so good to connect with the two of you and uh, really appreciate uh, just your wisdom and, and, and the heart and the safety. I feel like as I was hearing you both share, I was like, Oh, maybe I can lean in myself. Like I was thinking about myself, like I can lean in a little bit more too, you know? And so I just really appreciated the spirit that you all, that you both bring to this work. Um, and thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tucker. Awesome. Well, bye everybody. <laughs>